Blog Talk Radio. my friend. Good morning. I'm your host, Reverend Sherman, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to just focus on the 10th of Sunday as a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus and meditation and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Rivalry Study Bible, but you, of course, may use any Bible you wish. 
Um, I've had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We just have ongoing Bible readings uh, and discussion with our spiritual experiences every Sunday morning, and we're going straight through the New Testament at this time. And uh, we're just focused on being our old selves and carrying the message given to us. And let's just uh, bow our heads for opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. The freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. And we pray for those who are abroad and alone, and that we pray that God's angels watches over them. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. And please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and from freedom from addiction of all kinds. And please, we send our archangel, Michael, to fight against evil and protect lives that are taken for distorted or even if it's believe that um, these people are and all angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to also the ones who suffer in the world who are sick and um, animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers that may have this, this many decisions to make, and we're praying for all countries for problems suffering from all over the world. We thank you, God, for everything to bless us and help us grow under his care. And and the families are in our prayers this morning. We bring that hope, we pray that hope and help and justice comes to everybody. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can go to an online Bible. Uh, it's www.biblia.com. And we, we're happy to say that the opening music was by Sade, a local group from the CD Native Angels by Sade. If you want to order a copy, go to Sade, S-A-V-E.org. And also on Facebook, and they do live shows, and you can listen to them for free on YouTube. And I got my CD from Amazon. And uh, now we're coming to the birthday part of the show. Uh, I wish everybody a very happy, blessed birthday and a very prosperous year ahead. And I uh, wish my friend Von Fulkerson, uh, he's awesome, and he just turned 63. Uh, happy birthday. And Judy Kane and James Francis Welsh and also Richard Gabby. I wish you all a very, very happy birthday and, and a blessed Valentine's Day to everybody. And um, I just want to tell you a little bit about St. Valentine that uh, this his story has so many different origins, so I'll just read uh, one, but there are, of course, many different ones. And the origin of this holiday was an expression of love that isn't really romantic at all, at least not in the traditional sense. And Father Frank O'Gara of West Park Church in Dublin, Ireland, tells the real story behind the man on the holiday, St. Valentine. And he was a Roman priest at the time, and there was an emperor called Claudius who persecuted the church at this particular time. And then Father uh, explains that he also had an edict that prohibited the marriage of young people. This was based on the hypothesis that unmarried soldiers fought better than married soldiers because married soldiers might be afraid of what would happen to them or their wives or their families if they died. Anyway, uh, this, I think we must bear in mind that it's a very permissive society during that time. 
and polygamy uh, was 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 okay. And obviously, the church thought that marriage was very sacred between one man and one woman for their life. It was to be encouraged, and so immediately presented the problem to the Christian church uh, what to do about this. So in, the idea of encouraging to marry within the Christian church was what Valentine was all about. He secretly married people because of this edict against Claudius. And Valentine was eventually caught in prison and tortured for performing, performing marriage ceremonies against the command of Emperor Claudius II. There are legends surrounding uh, the Valentine's action while in prison. And one of the men who was to judge him in line with the Roman law at that time was a man called Asterius, whose daughter was blind, and he supposed to have prayed with and healed the young girl, which had an astonishing effect that Asterius himself became a Christian. Anyway, he had uh, the year 269 AD, Valentine was sentenced to a three-part execution of a beating, stoning, and finally decapitation, all because of his stand on Christian marriage. And the story goes that his last words he wrote were a note to Astros about daughter. He inspired today's romantic misses by, misses by signing it from your Valentine. What Valentine means to me as a priest, explains Father O'Gara, is that there comes a time when you have to lay your life upon the line for what you believe. And the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that, even to the point of death. So Valentine was a martyr, and it turned into uh, being known from Valentine as a, a patron saint for lovers. So uh, that's what it's all about. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody, and um, I wish you a very sweet and honorable and loving Valentine's Day. And um, let's go ahead and this. this uh, I'm going to read this story, and we're going to be reading Colossians 2 today. And uh, let me read the summary, and uh, as we find Paul, once again, in prison, and he's writing from prison. So uh, we're calling this the Pauline Prison Blues. Prison is fine, but it's not a total cakewalk. Go figure. It's mostly a bummer because Paul can't get out to see any of his fellow Christians. He has to look. He's very good at that. All his Christian friends to know that the key is Jesus. He is the source of all God's wisdom and knowledge. And he doesn't want Colossians to listen to just any Tom, Dick, or Harry off the street. No. And what they are trying to convince you of, the thing Paul is telling them the truth. Not us. Figuring that out is kind of a trick, though. We know that. See, the Christians in Colossae used to be non-believing Gentiles. That means they weren't circumcised like the Jewish guys. And But God loved the Gentiles so much, so he gave them some special circumcision. In other words, they knew and understood God through Jesus, not through thousands of years of Jewish law, scripture, and traditions. So he circumcised their heart. After Jesus died, God didn't worry so much about all the laws and tradition that he had made such a big deal about starting way back in Exodus. God took all those rules and sins of the world and nailed them to the cross with Jesus. Basically, he left them there, forgot about them, and started over fresh with everybody. That's why we're in luck. And now we're going to have to watch out for false teachers because because these Gentile Christians were circumcised in the heart. They shouldn't worry about anybody who claims that they're not just enough with God just because they aren't physically circumcised. They also shouldn't panic about what foods they eat, which festivals they celebrate, 
the Sabbath. God is And he's the head of the body, remember? That's the only way to keep the body and the individual parts healthy and happy. Anyway, let's go back to redirect from the Bible. And I read out the start where I read study Bible because it's the Bible that I actually found on the street one night. And uh, I picked it up, and now I'm on my second version. But this Bible uh, has great notes, and I think Rari's done a good job of uh, getting this out to us. And I, I like it, so it's my favorite. But you can use any Bible you wish, of course. So now we're on Col- Colossians chapter 2. The exalted Christianity and exalted over philosophy. Let us start. 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Lothadia and for those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom all hidden in all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge I say this so that no one be, will lead you with a persuasive argument. Even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am there with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. In him, all the fullness of the deity dwells in the bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Now we're in 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up in him through faith of the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he had taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, let's read that again, because I think this is so important and why we should just take comfort in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so we're reading Colossians 2, 14. Having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which has was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus died for our sins, and he's taken up all this for us. 
And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ and exalted over mystical teaching. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize of delight, lighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without any cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head for whom the entire body is being supplied, held together by the joints and ligaments, and grows with a growth which is from God. And this is also exalted over estheticism. If you have died in Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men? These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So that's the end of that. Let's go back and read the notes. Okay, the notes uh, start with false teaching had spread to Lysidia and uh, from Colossus. So I guess there was some false teaching that was spreading around, of course, as it still does. And then God's mystery, that is Christ. He is the one who reveals God to man, and in him is everything we need. And the notes go on to read, just as Christ has received by faith, the believer will also walk and live by faith, acknowledging the lordship of Christ over his life. And then empty deception. Paul's belittlement of the Colossian philosophy, according to the elementary principles, after the elemental spirits of the universe, for example, the cosmic experience of Hellenistic synchronism, apparently their philosophy involved regulating their religious life by observing the movements of the stars for which they associated with the powers of the angels who were worshipped by some. In this passage, Paul uses the vocabulary of the heretics, giving the words their proper meaning. He confutes them with their own terms and of complete mystery and knowledge and uh, the elementary principles of the world. In Jesus Christ, deity, the divine attributes in nature, dwelt in his earthly body, a strong statement of the deity and humanity of the God-man. And then uh, we go on to 11 and 12, the removal of the body of the flesh, the old nature, which is corrupt in its unregenerate state of rebellion against God, is illustrated in the rite of circumcision and the ordinance of baptism, but is accomplished by spiritual circumcision and spirit baptism. And then the certificate of debt, he's going to go into that. Acknowledgement of the debt in the handwriting of the debtor. The Mosaic Law, which Paul's phrase symbolizes, put us in debt to God with sin. This debt he has canceled by nailing it to the cross of Christ. Christ has made full payment. And then let's go on to 2.16. False teachers were evidently insisting on abstinence from certain foods, observance of certain days, and these, Paul says, are shadows that have been dispersed dispersed by the coming of Christ. And the command to observe the Sabbath is the only one in the Ten Commandments not repeated after Pentecost. And then, we're now in 2.18. Some were also teaching a false humility and worship of the angels as proper, 
claiming special mystic insights by way of visions, taking a stand on vision he has seen. The basic problem was their egotistic or fleshly mind. And true spirituality comes from the tenaciously holding on to Christ. He's the head of the body. And then crisis freed them from the taboos of estheticism, which can only, that means, you know, complete restriction from bodily things and eating and, you know, living a strict life. Anyway, which can only give a pretense of wisdom, promote a self-made religion, and deal severely with a body. Yet it cannot succeed in combating the desires of the flesh, because we always fail. We always fall off the wagon. And here begins the ethical section of the letter. Anyway, so we'll start that next week. So it'll be next week on Colossians 3rd. And I got a lot out of that. You know, we have to read this over and over again. So we know that we've been freed from all this. Jesus died for our sins, and that's what we believe. And um, I'm going to make a choice here and read you something else. Okay, uh, let's read a little story from Guidepost. We only just have a few minutes left. And um, let's see. I just can't put a story. It's called The Divine Touch. And... Uh, moment. Okay. The Divine Touch by Nancy Sullivan Gang, D-N-G, of Bloomington, Minnesota. That winter, 10 years ago, it got so cold that the ice formed inside the kitchen window panes. Gasoline froze in the tank of my husband's car. Bare, brittle limbs snapped in the breeze, and newscasters warned of wind chill and frostbite. Despite the bitter weather, I walked each morning alone through the old neighborhood, dressed in layers of down and wool, and I walked and walked. Maybe defying the elements made me feel I had some control over my life. That year, I lost two loved ones to death. Our first baby was born with Down syndrome. As much as I loved our child, I still felt stunned. God seemed concealed, hidden somewhere in this cold winter of death and disappointment. So I trudged in solitude, day after freezing day. Only in front of a stranger's blue-shuttered brick house did I become gradually aware of a presence, a kind of peace. While my breath froze in the air, a spiritual warmth filled me. Here, for a brief moment each morning, I felt something promising, hopeful, and reassuring. And I didn't know why. Spring came children pedaled bicycles on the sidewalk, men swung golf clubs in the green fairways, and I exchanged my down and wool layers for jerseys and faded blue jeans. One morning, I took my newborn Sarah with me on my walk. In the bright sunlight of the front brick house, I saw another mother playing with her young twin daughters. I watched as she gently glided the girl's hands over the rough bark and offered them lilac blooms to smell. Just when I realized the children were blind, the mother greeted me with a wave. May I t- touch your belly, she asked, while the girl softly stroked Sarah's face, brushed her fine chestnut hair, and, and held her tiny pink hands. Their mother spoke about what it had been like when her children were born. The blessed she found in those early days. In adversity, we must be alert, she said, for God will find a way and somehow touch us. I wondered if I should tell her about my walks, and finally I said, Last winter, when I passed by your home each morning, I felt strangely reassured and comforted and warmed. My new friend smiled. She says, you must be the person I felt compelled to play for in the winter, she said. 
I thought someone who was in this neighborhood was going to be through a difficult time, and now I know it was you. Amen. That's how we do. We pray for each other and love each other, and it's a beautiful story. And, you know, I do pray often for people I don't know what's going on, but I'll keep them in my prayers. And we keep hope alive. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day again, and thank you for joining us this morning. And I'll be back next week, and we'll go read on with Colossians. And I wish you all the best in the world. Happy birthday, birthday, people, again. And um, I wish you every good thing, and have a happy and blessed week. And uh, please come back next week, and we start our church services every morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I'm usually here. Once in a while, I start a little bit early, but I'm here. May God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to say whatever it is. And may your dreams come true and true of living your heart. And happy trails to you and not supposed to, we keep going on. Jesus are our side who can be against us. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.